0: chapter six part four of the pit this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain a little later when they had all reassembled in the drawing-room and while mrs gretry was telling an interminable story of how isabel had uh, all but asphyxiated herself the night before a servant announced landry court and the young man entered spruce and debonair a bouquet in one hand and a box of candy in the other some days before this page had lectured him solemnly on the fact that he was overabsorbed in business and was starving his soul he should read more she told him and she said that if he would call upon her on this particular night she would indicate a course of reading for him so it came about that after a few moments conversation with the older people in the drawing-room the two adjourned to the library there by way of a beginning page asked him what was his favorite character in fiction she spoke of the beauty of ruskin's thoughts of the gracefulness of charles lamb's style the conversation lagged a little landry not to be behind her declared for the modern novel and spoke of the newest book But Paige never read new books. She was not interested. And their talk, unable to establish itself upon a common ground, halted and was in a fair way to end until at last, and by insensible degrees, they began to speak of themselves and of each other. Promptly they were all aroused. They listened to each other's words with studious attention, answered with ever-ready promptness, discussed, argued agreed and disagreed over and over again landry said when i was a boy i always had an ambition to excel all the other boys i wanted to be the best baseball player on the block and i was too i could pitch three curves when i was fifteen and i find i am the same now and i am a man grown when i do a thing i want to do it better than anyone else from the very first i have always been ambitious It is my strongest trait. Now," he went on, turning to Page, "'your strongest trait is your thoughtfulness. You are what they call introspective.' "'Yes, yes,' she answered. "'Yes, I think so, too.' "'You don't need the stimulation of competition. You are at your best when you are with just one person. A crowd doesn't interest you.' "'I hate it!' she exclaimed. Now with me, with a man of my temperament, a crowd is a real inspiration. When everyone is talking and shouting around me, or to me even, my mind works at its best. But, he added solemnly, it must be a crowd of men. I can't abide a crowd of women. They chatter so, she assented. I can't either. But I find that the companionship of one intelligent, sympathetic woman is as much of a stimulus as a lot of men. It's funny, isn't it, that I should be like that? Yes, she said, it is funny, strange, but I believe in companionship, I believe that between man and woman that is the great thing, companionship, love, she added abruptly and then broke off with a deep sigh, oh, I don't know, she murmured, do you remember those lines, man's love is of his life a thing apart, his woman's whole existence, do you believe that? well he asserted gravely choosing his words with deliberation it might be so but it all depends upon the man and woman love he added with tremendous gravity is the greatest power in the universe i have never been in love said page yes love is a wonderful power i've never been in love either never never been in love oh oh, i I, I thought i was in love he said with a wave of his hand i've never even thought i was she answered musingly do you believe in early marriages demanded landry a man should never marry she said deliberately till he can give his wife a good home and good clothes and and that sort of thing i do not think i will ever marry you of course you will why not no no it is my disposition i am morose and taciturn laura says so landry protested with vehemence and she went on i have long brooding fits of melancholy well so have i he threw out recklessly at night sometimes when i wake up then i'm all down in the mouth and i say what's the use by jingo do you believe in pessimism i do they say carlyle was a terrible pessimist well talking about love i understand that you can't believe in pessimism and love at the same time wouldn't you feel unhappy if you lost your faith in love oh yes terribly there was a moment's silence and then landry remarked now you are the kind of woman that uh, would only love once but love for that once might be deep and strong Page's eyes grew wide. She murmured, "'Tis a woman's whole existence, whole existence. Yes, I think I am like that. Do you think Enoch Arden did right in going away after he found them married? Oh, have you read that? Oh, isn't that a beautiful poem? Wasn't he noble? Wasn't he grand? Oh, yes, yes, he did right. By George, I wouldn't have gone away. I'd have gone right into the house, and I would have made things hum. I'd have thrown the other fellow out, lock, stock, and barrel. That's just like a man, so selfish, only thinking of himself. You don't know the meaning of love, great, true, unselfish love. I know the meaning of what's mine. Think I'd give up the woman I love to another man? Even if she loved the other man best? I'd have my girl first and find out how she felt about the other man afterwards. Oh! But think if you gave her up how noble it would be. You would have sacrificed all that you held the dearest to an ideal. Oh, if I were in Enoch Arden's place and my husband thought I was dead and I knew he was happy with another woman, it would just be a joy to deny myself, sacrifice myself, to spare him unhappiness. That would be my idea of love. Then I'd go into a convent. Not much. I'd let the other fellow go to the convent. If I loved a woman, I wouldn't let anything in the world stop me from winning her. You have so much determination, haven't you? She said, looking at him. Landry enlarged his shoulders a little and wagged his head. Well, he said, I don't know, but I'd try pretty hard to get what I wanted, I guess. I love to see that characteristic in men, she observed. Strength, determination. "'Just as a man loves to see a woman womanly,' he answered. "'Don't you hate strong-minded women?' "'Utterly?' "'Now, you are what I would call womanly, the womanliest woman I've ever known.' "'Oh, I don't know,' she protested, a little confused. "'Yes, you are. You are beautifully womanly, and so high-minded and well-read. It's been inspiring to me. I want you should know that.' yes sir a real inspiration it's been inspiring elevating to say the least i like to read if that's what you mean she hastened to say by jove i've got to do some reading too it's so hard to find time but i'll make time i'll get that stones of venice i've heard you speak of and i'll sit up nights and keep awake with black coffee but i'll read that book from cover to cover that's your determination again page exclaimed your eyes just flashed when you said it i believe if you once made up your mind to do a thing you would do it no matter how hard it was wouldn't you well I'd, I'd make things hum i guess he admitted the next day was easter sunday and page came down to nine o'clock breakfast a little late to find jadwin already finished and deep in the pages of the morning paper laura still at table was pouring her last cup of coffee They were in the breakfast room, a small charming apartment, light and airy, and with many windows, one end opening upon the house conservatory. Jadwin was in his frock coat, which later he would wear to church. The famous gardenia was in his lapel. He was freshly shaven, and his fine cigar made a blue haze over his head. Laura was radiant in a white morning gown a newly cut bunch of violets large as a cabbage lay on the table before her the whole scene impressed itself sharply upon page's mind the fine sunlit room with its gay open spaces and the glimpse of green leaves from the conservatory the view of the smooth trim lawn through the many windows where an early robin strayed from the park was chirruping and feeding her beautiful sister laura with her splendid overshadowing coiffure her pale clear skin her slender figure jadwin the large solid man of affairs with his fine cigar his gardenia his well-groomed air and then the little accessories that meant so much the smell of violets of good tobacco of fragrant coffee the gleaming damasks china and silver of the breakfast-table, a trim, fresh-looking maid with her white cap, apron and cuffs, who came and went, the thoroughbred setter dozing in the sun, and the parrot dozing and chuckling to himself on his perch upon the terrace outside the window. At the bottom of the lawn was the stable, and upon the concrete in front of its wide-open door the groom was currying one of the carriage-horses while page addressed herself to her fruit and coffee jadwin put down his paper and his elbows on the arms of his rattan chair sat for a long time looking out at the horse by and by he got up and said that new feed has filled him out in good shape think i'll go out and tell jarvis to try it on the buggy team he pushed open the french windows and went out the setter sedately following page dug her spoon into her grapefruit then suddenly laid it down and turned to laura her chin upon her palm laura she said do you think i ought to marry a girl of my temperament "Marry," echoed laura "Sh," whispered page laura don't talk so loud yes do you well why not marry dearie why shouldn't you marry when the time comes girls as young as you are not supposed to have temperaments "'But instead of answering, Paige put out another question. "'Laura, do you think I am womanly? "'I think sometimes, Paige, that you take your books and your reading too seriously. "'You've not been out of the house for three days, "'and I never see you without your notebooks and textbooks in your hand. "'You are at it, dear, from morning to night. "'Studies are all very well. "'Oh, studies!' exclaimed Paige. "'I hate them. "'Laura, what is it to be womanly?' "'To be womanly,' repeated Laura. "'Why, I don't know, honey. "'It's to be kind and well-bred and gentle, mostly, "'and never to be bold or conspicuous, "'and to love one's home and take care of it, "'and to love and believe in one's husband or parents or children "'or, or even one's sister, above anyone else in the world. "'I think that being womanly is better than being well-read.' "'Hazarded Page. "'We can be both, Page. "'Laura told her. "'But, honey, I think you had better hurry through your breakfast. "'If we're going to church this Easter, we want to get an early start. "'Curtis ordered the carriage half an hour earlier. "'Breakfast,' echoed Paige. "'I don't want a thing.' "'She drew a deep breath, and her eyes grew large. "'Laura,' she began again presently, "'Laura, Landry Court was here last night, and—' "'Oh, I don't know. He's so silly. "'But he said—' Well, he said this. Well, I said that I understood how he felt about certain things, about getting on and being clean and fine and all that sort of thing, you know. And and then he said, Oh, you don't know what it means to me to look into the eyes of a woman who really understands. Did he? said Laura, lifting her eyebrows. Yes, and he seemed so fine and earnest. Laura, well... "'Page adjusted a hairpin at the back of her head "'and moved closer to Laura, her eyes on the floor. "'Laura, what do you suppose it did mean to him? "'Don't you think it was foolish of him to talk like that?' "'Not at all,' Laura said decisively. "'If he said that, he meant it. "'Meant that he cared a great deal for you.' "'Oh, I didn't mean that,' shrieked Page. "'But there's a great deal more to Landry "'than I think we've suspected.' He wants to be more than a mere money-getting machine, he says. And he wants to cultivate his mind and understand art and literature and that. And he wants me to help him, and I said I would. So if you don't mind, he's coming up here certain nights every week. And we're going to-I'm going to read to him. We're going to begin with the ring and the book. In the later part of May, the weather being unusually hot, the Jadwins, taking Page with them, went up to Geneva Lake for the summer, and the great house fronting Lincoln Park was deserted. Laura had hoped that now her husband would be able to spend his entire time with her, but in this she was disappointed. At first Jadwin went down to the city but two days a week, but soon this was increased to alternate days gretry was a frequent visitor at the country house and often he and jadwin their rocking-chairs side by side in a remote corner of the porch talked business in low tones until far into the night dear said laura finally i'm seeing less and less of you every day and i had so looked forward to this summer when we were to be together all the time i hate it as much as you do laura said her husband "'But I do feel as though I ought to be on the spot just for now. "'I can't get it out of my head "'that we're going to have livelier times in a few months.' "'But even Mr. Gretry says that you don't need to be right in your office "'every minute of the time. "'He says you can manage your board of trade business from out here just as well, "'and that you only go into town "'because you can't keep away from La Salle Street and the sound of the wheat pit.' "'Was well, this true?' jadwin himself had found it difficult to answer there had been a time when gretry had been obliged to urge and coax to get his friend to so much as notice the swirl of the great maelstrom in the board of trade building but of late jadwin's eye and ear were forever turned thitherward and it was he and no longer gretry who took initiatives meanwhile he was making money as he had predicted the price of wheat had advanced may had been a fair weather month with easy prices the monthly government report showing no loss in the condition of the crop wheat had gone up from sixty to sixty-six cents and at a small profit jadwin had sold some two hundred and fifty thousand bushels then had come the hot weather at the end of may on the floor of the board of trade the pit traders had begun to peel off their coats it began to look like a hot june and when cash wheat touched sixty-eight jadwin now more than ever convinced of a coming bull market bought another five hundred thousand bushels this line he added to in june unfavorable weather excessive heat followed by flooding rains had hurt the spring wheat and in every direction there were complaints of weevils and chinch bugs later on other deluges had discolored and damaged the winter crop jadwin was now by virtue of his recent purchases long one million bushels and the market held firm at seventy-two a twelve-cent advance in two months she'll react warned gretry sure crooks and sweeney haven't taken a hand yet look out for a heavy french crop we'll get reports on it soon now Uh, you're playing with a gun jay that kicks further than it shoots we've not shot her yet "'Jadwin said. We're only just loading her. For bears,' he added with a wink. "'In July came the harvesting returns from all over the country, proving conclusively that for the first time in six years the United States crop was to be small and poor. The yield was moderate. Only part of it could be graded as contract. Good wheat would be valuable from now on. "'Jadwin bought again.' and again it was a lot of half a million bushels then came the first manifestation of that marvelous golden luck that was to follow curtis jadwin through all the coming months the french wheat crop was announced as poor in germany the yield was to be far below the normal all through hungary the potato and rye crops were light about the middle of the month jadwin called again the broker to his country house and took him for a long evening's trip around the lake aboard the thetis they were alone mckinney was at the wheel and seated on camp-stools in the stern of the little boat jadwin outlined his plans for the next few months sam he said i thought back in april there that we were to touch top prices about the first of this month but this french and german news has colored the cat different i've been figuring that i could get out of this market around the seventies but she's going higher i'm going to hold on yet a while. you do it on your own responsibility then said the broker i warn you the price is top-heavy not much seventy-two cents is too cheap now i'm going into this hard i want to have my own lines out to be independent of the trade papers that crooks could buy up any time he wants to i want you to get me some good reliable correspondents in europe smart bright fellows that we can depend on i want one in liverpool one in paris and one in odessa and i want them to cable us about the situation every day gretry thought a while well he said at length yes i guess i can arrange it i can get you a good man in liverpool trainard is his name and there's two or three in Paris we could pick up. Oh, uh, this I don't know. I couldn't say just at this moment, but I'll fix it. These correspondents began to report at the end of July. All over Europe, the demand for wheat was active. Grain handlers were not only buying freely, but were contracting for future delivery. In August came the first demands for American wheat, scattered and sporadic at first, then later a little... Uh, very little more consistent thus the summer wore to its end the fall situation began slowly to define itself with eastern europe densely populated overcrowded commencing to show uneasiness as to its supply of food for the winter and with but a moderate crop in america to meet foreign demands russia the united states and argentine would have to feed the world during the next twelve months Over the Chicago wheat pit the hand of the great indicator stood at seventy-five cents. Jadwin sold out his September wheat at this figure, and then in a single vast clutch bought three million bushels of the December option. Never before had he ventured so deeply into the pit. Never before had he committed himself so irrevocably to the send of the current. But something was preparing, something indefinite and huge." he guessed it felt it knew it on all sides of him he felt a quickening movement lethargy inertia were breaking up there was buoyancy to the current in its ever-increasing swiftness there was exhilaration and exuberance and he was upon the crest of the wave now the forethought the shrewdness and the prompt action of those early spring days were beginning to tell confident secure unassailable jadwin plunged in Every week the swirl of the pit increased in speed, every week the demands of Europe for American wheat grew more frequent, and in the end of the month the price, which had fluctuated between seventy-five and seventy-eight, in a sudden fury rushed to seventy-nine, to seventy-nine and a half, and closed strong at an even eighty cents. On the day that the latter figure was reached, Jadwin bought a seat upon the board of trade. He was no longer an outsider. End of chapter six